0: section 15 of the rivals of sherlock holmes volume 2 this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the rivals of sherlock holmes volume 2 the second customer and the amber beads by fergus hume after the episode of the florentine dante Hager lost her high spirits. She had sent Eustace away to make his fortune and to discover, if possible, the lost heir of Jacob Dix. By this act of self-denial, as it really was, she had deprived herself of all pleasure. She had robbed herself of what might have been a bright future. Consequently, she was less cheerful than of yore. Nevertheless, she felt convinced that Lorne loved her and that he would earn her gratitude possibly her hand, by returning with Goliath at his heels. When that event took place she would recover at once her spirits and her lover, but at present the business of the pawnshop took up her undivided attention and forced her to put away sad thoughts and melancholy considerations. Also Providence provided distraction for her dismal humours by sending her a negress to pawn a necklace of amber beads. Although Hagar did not know it at the time, this was the beginning of a second and rather more serious adventure it was drawing to-night one august evening when the woman made her appearance and the atmosphere of the pawn-shop was darker than usual still it was sufficiently light for hagar to see that her customer was a tall and bulky negress arrayed in a gaudy yellow dress neutralized by trimmings of black jet beading as the evening was hot and close She wore neither cloak nor jacket, but displayed her somewhat shapeless figure to the full in this decidedly startling costume. Her hat was a garden of roses, red, white, and yellow. She wore a large silver brooch like a shield, an extensive necklace of silver coins, and many bangles of the same metal on her black wrists. As a contrast to these splendors, she wore no gloves, nor did she hide her coal-black face with a veil altogether this odd customer was the blackest and most fantastically dressed negress that hagar had ever seen and in the dim light she looked a striking but rather alarming figure on hagar coming to the counter this black woman produced out of a silver clasped sealskin satchel a necklace which she handed silently to hagar for inspection as the light was too imperfect to admit of a close examination hagar lighted the gas but when it flamed up the negress, as though unwilling to be seen too clearly in the searching glare, stepped back hastily into the darkness. Hagar put this retrograde movement down to the natural timidity of a person unaccustomed to pawning, and took but little notice of it at the time. Afterwards she had cause to remember it. The necklace was a string of magnificent amber beads threaded on a slender chain of gold, each bead was as large as the egg of a sparrow and round the middle of every single one there was a narrow belt of tiny diamonds the clasp at the back was of fine gold square in shape and curiously wrought to the representation of a hideous ethiopian face with diamonds for eyes this queer piece of jewelry was unique of its kind and as hagar rapidly calculated of considerable value nevertheless she offered according to custom as low a sum as she well could i'll give five pounds on it said she returning to the counter rather to her surprise the negress accepted with a sharp nod and then took out of her bag a scrap of paper on this was written laboriously rosa marylebone road the name and address were so imperfect that Hagar hesitated before making out the pawn ticket. Have you no other name but Rosa? she asked sharply. The negress shook her head and kept well in the shadow. And no more particular address than Marylebone Road? Again the black woman made a negative sign, whereat, annoyed by these gestures, Hagar grew angered. Can't you speak? she demanded tartly. Are you dumb? At once the negress nodded and laid a finger on her lips. Hagar drew back. This woman was black. She was dumb. She gave half a name, half an address, and she wished to pawn a valuable and unique piece of jewelry. The whole affair was queer, and as Hagar considered, might be rather dangerous perhaps this silent negress was disposing of stolen goods as the necklace seemed too fine for her to possess for the moment hagar was inclined to refuse to do business but a glance at the amber beads decided her to make the bargain she could get it cheap she was acting well within the legal limits of business and if the police did appear in the matter no blame could be attached to her for the transaction biased by these considerations Hagar made out the ticket in the name of Rosa, and took a clean new five-pound note out of the cash-box. As she was about to give ticket and money across the counter she paused. I'll take the number of this note, she thought, going to the desk. If this negress can't be traced by name or address, the banknote number will find her if it is necessary. Deeming this precaution judicious, Hagar hastily scribbled down the number of the five-pound note, and returning to the counter, gave it and the ticket to her queer customer. The negress stretched out her right hand for them, and then Hagar made a discovery which she noted mentally as a mark of identification if necessary. However, she said nothing, but tried to get a good look at the woman's face. The customer, however, kept well in the shadow, and swept note and ticket into her bag hurriedly. Then she bowed and left the shop. Six days later, Hagar received a printed notice from New Scotland Yard, notifying to all pawnbrokers that the police were in search of a necklace of amber beads set with diamonds, and clasped with a negro's face wrought in gold. Notice of its whereabouts was to be sent to the detective department without delay. Remembering her suspicions, and recalling the persistent way in which the negress had averted her face, Hagar was not much surprised by this communication curious to know the truth and to learn what crime might be attached to the necklace she wrote at once about the matter within four hours a stranger presented himself to see the amber beads and to question her concerning the woman who had pawned the same he was a fat little man with a healthy red face and shrewd twinkling eyes introducing himself as luke horval of the detective service he asked hagar to relate the circumstances of the pawning this the girl did frankly enough but without communicating her own suspicions at the conclusion of her narrative she displayed the amber beads which were carefully examined by mr horval then he slapped his knee and whistled in a thoughtful sort of way i guessed as much said he staring hard at hagar
1: the negress did it
0: did what asked the girl curiously why said horval murdered the old woman Murder the word had a gruesome and cruel sound which caused Hagar's cheek to pale when it rang in her ears she had connected the amber beads with robbery but scarcely with the taking of life the idea that she had been in the company of a murderess gave Hagar a qualm but suppressing this as a weakness she asked Corval to tell her the details of the crime and how it bore on the pawning of the amber beads
1: it's just this way miss
0: explained the detective easily
1: this rosa is the nigger girl of mrs arryford
0: is rosa her real name
1: oh yes i suppose she thought she might lose the beads if she gave a wrong one but the address ain't right it's the other end of london as mrs arryford lives or rather lived added horvald correcting himself seeing as how she now occupies a cancelled bean grave camden hill miss a sweet little house in bedford gardens where she lived with rosa and miss lyle
0: "'And who is Miss Lyle?'
1: "'The companion of Mrs. Erriford. "'A dry stick of a spinster, miss, "'not to be compared with a fine girl like you.'
0: "'Hagar did not deign to notice the compliment, "'but sharply requested Mr. Horval to continue his story, "'which he did in no wise abashed by her cold demeanour.
1: "'It's just this way, miss,' said he again. "'The old lady, the old maid, and the nigger-wench "'lived together in Bedford Gardens, "'a kind of happy family, as one might say.' Mrs. Arriford was the widder of a West Indian gent, and as rich as Solomon. She brought those amber beads from Jamaica, and Rosa was always wantin' them.
0: Why, the necklace was very unsuitable
1: to one of her condition. not exactly the cost of it as she thought about,' said Horval, nursing his chin. "'But it seems that the necklace is a fetish, or a charm, or lucky penny, as you might say, to bring good fortune to the wearer.' Mrs. Arryford was past wantin' good luck, so hadn't no need for the beads. Rosa asked for them, just for the good luck of them, as you might say. The old girl wouldn't part, as she was as superstitious as Rosa herself over that necklace. So in the end, Rosa murdered her to get it.
0: "'How do you know she did?' asked Hagar doubtfully.
1: "'How do I know?' echoed the detective in surprise. "'Cause I ain't a fool, miss.' "'Last week Mrs. Arriford was found in her bed with a carving-knife in her heart, "'as dead as a doornail, and the beads were missing. "'Miss Lyle, she didn't know anything about it, and Rose swore she hadn't left her room. "'So, you see, we couldn't quite hit on who finished off Mrs. Arriford. "'But now as I know Rose upon these beads, I'm sure she did the job.'
0: "'What made you think that the beads might have been pawned?'
1: "'Oh, that was Miss Lyle's idea. A sharp old girl she is, Miss. "'She was very fond of Mrs. Arriford.' "'as she well might be, seeing as the old lady was rich "'and kept her like a princess. "'Often she heard Rosa ask for those beads, "'so when Mrs. Arryford was killed and the beads missing, "'she told me as she was sure Rosa had done the trick.' "'But the pawning—' "'Well, miss,' said Horval, scratching his chin, "'it was just this way. "'Miss Lyle said as how Rosa, to get rid of the necklace "'until the affair of the murder was blown over, might pawn it. "'I thought so, too, so I sent a printed slip "'to all the pop-shops in London. "'You wrote that the beads were here.' so it seems as miss lyle was right
0: evidently by the way who gets the money of mrs Erford?
1: a uh, mr frederick devons he's a nephew of miss lyle's
0: a nephew of miss lyle's echoed hagar in surprise and why did mrs Erford leave her money to him instead of to her
1: relatives well it's just this way miss said horval rising she hadn't got no relatives and as mr devons was a good-looking young chap always at the house to see his aunt she took a fancy to him and left the money his way. Are you sure that Miss Lyle is no relation to Mrs. Arriford? Quite sure. She was only the old girl's companion.
0: Was Mrs. Hereford weak in the head?
1: Not as ever I heard of, said Mr. Horval with a stare. But you can find out, if you like, from Miss Lyle. Miss Lyle? How am I to see her?
0: Why, said the detective,
1: clapping on his hat, when you come to see if Rosa is the same nigger as upon the amber beads just leave someone to look after the shop miss and come with me right away
0: with true feminine curiosity hagar agreed at once to accompany the detective to camden hill the shop was delivered into the charge of bolker a misshapen imp of sixteen who for some months had been the plague of hagar's life he had a long body and long arms short legs and a short temper and also a most malignant eye which indicated only too truly his spiteful nature having given a few instructions to this charming lad hagar departed with horval in the omnibus and arrived at bedford gardens early in the afternoon the house was a quaint pretty cottage which stood in a delightful garden once the solace of poor dead mrs eriford's soul and was divided from the road by a tall fence of iron railings closed in with wooden planks painted a dark green the room into which the detective and gipsy were shown was a prim and rather cosy apartment which bore the impress of Miss Lyle's old maidism in the disposition of the furniture. When they were seated there and were waiting for Miss Lyle, who had been advised of their arrival, Hagar suddenly asked Horval a leading question. "'Is Rosa dumb?'
1: she demanded. "'Bless you, no,' answered Horval. "'It's true she don't talk much, but she can use her tongue in nigger fashion. Why do you ask?' "'She said she was dumb when she pawned the beads.' oh that was cause she was too cute to let her voice betray her
0: replied horval smiling he had humour enough to note hagar's unconscious bull but as she was likely to be useful to him in the conduct of the case he did not wish to anger her by remarking on it when miss lyle made her appearance hagar after the manner of women took immediate note of her looks and manner the old maid was tall and lean and yellow with cold grey eyes and a thin-lipped hard-tempered mouth turned down at the curves her iron-grey hair was drawn tightly off her narrow forehead and screwed into a hard-looking knob behind she wore a black stuff gown sombre and lustreless collar and cuffs of white linen and cloth slippers in which she glided noiselessly altogether an unpromising hard woman acidulated and narrow-minded who looked disapprovingly on the rich beauty of hagar and remarked her graces with a jaundiced eye and a vinegary look the cough with which she ended her inspection showed that she condemned the girl at first sight is this young person necessary to your conduct of the case said miss lyle addressing herself to horval and ignoring hagar altogether
1: why yes miss
0: replied horval on whom the antagonistic attitude of the two women was not lost
1: she keeps the pawn-shop which rose upon the beads
0: miss lyle gave a start of virtuous horror and her thin lips wreathed in a viperous smile the wretch did kill my poor friend then she said in a soft and fluty voice i knew it
1: she pawned the amber beads miss lyle but
0: now, don't say the wretch didn't kill my martyred friend snapped miss lyle going to the bell-rope but we'll have her in and perhaps this young person will recognize her as the viper who pawned the beads it is to be hoped so said Hagar very dryly, not approving of being spoken at in the third person. But the negress kept her face turned away, and I might not. It is your duty to recognize her, exclaimed Miss Lyle, addressing herself to the girl for once. I am convinced that Rosa is a dangerous criminal. Here she is, the black Jezebel. As the last word fell from her mouth, the door opened and Rosa entered the room whereat Hagar uttered an exclamation of surprise. This negress was rather short, and more than a trifle stout. It is true that she wore a yellow dress, trimmed with black jet beading, that silver ornaments were on her neck and wrists, also that she was without the wonderful hat. Still Hagar was surprised, and explained her ejaculation forthwith. "'That is not the woman who pawned the beads,' she declared, rising. "'Not the woman!' echoed Miss Lyle virulently. She must be. This is Rosa? Yes, yes, Ah Rosa, said the negress, beginning to weep. But I no kill my po dear Missy. Dat one big lie.
1: Are you sure, Miss, that this is not the woman?
0: asked Horval, rather dismayed. Hagar stepped forward and looked sharply at the sobbing negress up and down. Then she glanced at the woman's hands and shook her head i am prepared to swear in a court of law that this is not the woman she said quietly rubbish rubbish cried miss lyle flushing rosa coveted the necklace as it was connected with some debased african superstition and it were no fetish interrupted rosa her eyes sparkling fire at the old maid and oh missy she did wish to give it me but you no know letter certainly not said miss lyle with dignity the necklace was not fit for you to wear and because i persuaded mrs erriford not to give it to you you murdered her you wretch down on your knees woman and confess i no fess exclaimed the terrified negress i no kill my
1: missy i no give those amber beads for money if those beads mine i keep them they a mighty big fetish for show. one moment said horval as miss lyle was about to speak again let us conduct this inquiry calmly and give the accused every chance miss he said turning to hagar on what day at what time was it that the bees were pond
0: hagar calculated rapidly and answered promptly on the evening of the twenty third of august between six and seven o'clock ah exclaimed miss lyle joyfully and on that very evening rosa was out and did not return till nine me went to see massa jevons for you said rosa vehemently you send me i send you just listen to the creature's lies besides mr Jevons's rooms are in duke street st james whereas it was at lambeth you were
1: i no go to dat gentleman's house you send me to de train Waterloo, waterloo said Horval, looking sharply at Rosa. You were there? Yes, massa. me dere at seven and eight. In the neighbourhood of Lambeth, murmured Horval, She might have gone to the pawnshop after all. Of course
0: she did, cried Miss Lyle vindictively, and pawned the amber beads of my poor dear friend. She did nothing of the sort, interposed Hagar with spirit. Whosoever pawned the beads it was not this woman, "'Besides, how do you know that Rosa killed Mrs. Ariford? "'She wanted the beads, young woman, and she killed my friend to obtain them.' "'No, no, dat one big lie.' "'I am sure it is,' said Hagar, her face aflame. "'I believe in your innocence, Rosa. "'Mr. Horval." she added, turning to the detective, "'you can't arrest this woman, as you have no grounds to do so.'
1: "'Well, if she didn't pawn those beads.'
0: "'She did not, I tell you.' "'She did!' "'cried Miss Lyle angrily. "'I believe you are an accomplice of the creatures.' "'What reply Hagar would have made to this accusation "'it is impossible to say, "'for at this moment a young man walked into the room. "'He was good-looking in appearance and smart in dress, "'but there was a haggard look about his face "'which betokened dissipation. "'This,' said Miss Lyle, introducing him, "'is my nephew the heir to the property of my late dear friend.' He is resolved, as such heir, to find out and punish the assassin of his benefactress. For my part, I believe Rosa to be guilty. And I, cried Hagar with energy, believe her to be innocent. Let us hope she is, said Jevons in a weary voice as he removed his gloves. I am tired of the whole affair. You are bound to punish the guilty, said Miss Lyle in hard tones. "'But not the innocent,' retorted Hagar, rising. "'Young woman, you are insolent!' "'Hagar looked Miss Lyle up and down in the coolest manner. "'Then her eyes wandered to the well-dressed figure of Jevons, the heir. "'What she saw in him to startle her it is difficult to say, "'but after a moment's inspection she turned pale with suppressed emotion. "'Stepping forward she was about to speak, "'when checking herself suddenly she beckoned to Horval and advanced toward the door. "'My errand here is fulfilled,' she said quietly. "'Mr. Horval, perhaps you will come with me?' "'Yes, and you can go also, Rosa,' cried Miss Lyle, angered by the insulting gaze of the girl. "'I am mistress here in my nephew's house, and I refuse to let a murderess remain under its roof.' "'Be content,' said Hagar, pausing at the door. "'Rosa shall come with me, and when you see us again with Mr. Horval." you will then learn who killed mrs Arriford and why insolent hussy muttered miss Lyle and closed the door on hagar horval and the black woman the trio walked away and shortly afterwards picked up an omnibus in which they returned to the lambeth pawnshop hagar talked earnestly to horval the whole way and from the close attention which the detective paid to her it would seem that the conversation was of the deepest interest rosa a dejected heap of misery sat with downcast eyes and at intervals wiped away the tears which ran down her black cheeks the poor negress under suspicion as a thief and a murderess turned out of house and home desolate and forsaken was crushed to the earth under the burden of her woes on her the fetish necklace of amber beads had brought a curse on arriving at the shop hagar conducted rosa into the back parlor and after a further conference she dismissed the detective. "'You can stay with me for a week,' she said to Rosa. "'And then what you do?' "'Oh,' said Hagar with an agreeable smile, "'I shall take you with me to denounce the assassin of your late mistress.' All that week Rosa stayed in the domestic portion of the pawnshop and made herself useful in cooking and cleaning." Hagar questioned her closely concerning the events which had taken place on the night of the murder in the house at Bedford Gardens and elicited certain information which gave her great satisfaction. This she communicated to Horval when he one day paid her a hurried visit when in possession of the facts, Horval looked at her with admiration, and on taking his leave, he paid her a compliment.
1: You ought to be a man with that head of yours, he said. You're too good to be a woman
0: and not bad enough to be a man retorted hagar laughing be off with you mr horval and let me know when you'll want me up west in four more days horval again made his appearance this time in a state of the greatest excitement he was closeted with hagar for over an hour and at its conclusion he departed in a great hurry shortly after noon hagar resigned the shop into bolker's charge put on hat and cloak, and ordered Rosa to come with her. What the reason of this unexpected departure might be she did not inform the negress immediately, but before they reached their destination Rosa knew all, and was much rejoiced thereat. Hagar took Rosa as far as Duke Street, St. James, and here, at the door of a certain house, they found the detective impatiently waiting for them. "'Well, Mr. Horval," said Hagar, coming to a stop, is he indoors safe and sound replied horval
1: tapping his breastcoat pocket and i have got you know what here shall we come up
0: not immediately i wish to see him by myself first you remain outside his door and enter with rosa when i call you mr horval nodded with a full comprehension of what was required of him and the trio ascended the dark staircase They paused at a door on the second landing. Then Hagar, motioning to her companions that they should withdraw themselves into the gloom, rapped lightly on the portal. Shortly afterwards it was opened by Mr. Frederick Jevons, who looked inquiringly at Hagar. She turned her face towards the light which fell through the murky staircase window, whereat, recognizing her, he stepped back in dismay. "'The pawn-shop, girl,' said he in astonishment what do you want i wish to see you replied hagar composedly but it is just as well that our conversation should be in private
1: why you can have nothing to say to me but what the whole world might hear
0: after i have mentioned the object of my visit you may think differently said hagar with some dryness however we'll
1: talk here if you wish no no come in said jevons standing on one side "'Since you insist upon privacy, you shall have
0: it. This way.' He showed her into a large and rather badly furnished room. Evidently Mr. Fred Jevons had not been rich until he inherited the fortune of Mrs. Erriford. "'I suppose you will be moving to the Bedford Gardens' house soon?' said Hagar, sitting composedly in a large armchair. "'Is that what you came to speak to me about?' retorted Jevons rudely. "'Not exactly. Perhaps, as you are impatient, we had better get to business.'
1: "'Business? What business can I have to do with you?'
0: "'Why,' said Hagar, quietly and looking directly at him, "'the business of those amber beads which you pawned.'
1: "'I,'
0: stammered Devons, drawing back with a pale face. "'Also,' added Hagar, solemnly, "'the business which concerns the commission of a crime.'
1: Ah, uh, crime?' gasped the wretched creature.
0: Yes, the most terrible of all crimes, murder.
1: What, what, what do you, you mean?
0: Hagar rose from her chair and, drawn to her full height, stretched out an accusing arm towards the young man. What I mean you know well enough, she said sternly. I mean that you murdered Mrs. Eryford. It's a lie cried jevons sinking into a chair for his legs refused to support him longer it is not a lie it is the truth i have evidence
1: evidence
0: he started up with dry and trembling lips yes through her influence over mrs Hereford, your aunt induced her to make you her heir you are fond of money you are in debt and you could not wait until the old lady died in the course of nature on the night of the murder you were in the house
1: no no i swear
0: you need not you were seen leaving the house to throw suspicion on rosa you disguised yourself as a negress and came to pawn the amber bead necklace at my shop i recognized that the supposed black woman was minus the little finger of the right hand you mr jevons are mutilated in the same way again i paid you with a five-pound note of that note i took the number it has been traced by the number and you are the man who paid it away i saw jevons jumped up still white and shaking
1: it's a lie a lie he said hoarsely i did not kill mrs erriford i did not pawn the beads i did you did both those things said hagar brushing past him i have two
0: witnesses who can prove what i say is true rosa mr horval she flung the outside door wide open while jevons again sank into the armchair. With an expression of horror on his white face rosa horval he muttered i am lost rosa and the detective entered quickly in response to hagar's call and with her looked down on the shrinking figure of the accused man these are my witnesses said hagar slowly rosa
1: i saw dat man in de house when my missy died said the negress i hear noise in de night i come down and i see massa jevins run away from de room of my missy and mrs I let him out by de side door he kill my po missy yes i tink dat
0: you hear said hagar to the terrified man now mr horval
1: i traced the five-pound note you gave him by its number
0: said the detective
1: yes he paid it away at his club i can bring a waiter to prove it
0: you hear said hagar again And I know by the evidence of your lost finger that you are the man, disguised as a negress who pawned the necklace which was stolen from the person of Mrs. Arriford, after you murdered her. The dead woman, as Rosa tells us, wore that necklace night and day. Only with her death could it have been removed. You murdered her. You stole the necklace of amber beads." Jevons leapt up. "'No, no, no!' he cried loudly, striking his hands together in despair. "'I am innocent.' that said horval slipping the handcuffs on his wrists
1: you shall prove before a judge and jury
0: when jevons still protesting his innocence was removed to prison hagar and the negress returned to carby's crescent it can easily be guessed how she had traced the crime home to jevons she had noticed that the negress who pawned the beads had no little finger on being brought face to face with rosa she had seen that the woman had not lost the finger and when jevons had removed his gloves she had seen in his right hand the evidence that he was one with the mysterious black woman of the pawn-shop. still she was not certain and it was only when rosa had deposed to the presence of the man at midnight in the bedford gardens house and when horval had traced the five-pound note of which she had taken the number that she was certain that jevons was the murderer hence the accusation hence the arrest but now the fact of his guilt was clearly established to obtain the wealth of mrs erriford the wretched man had committed a crime to hide that crime and throw the blame on rosa he had pawned the amber beads and now the amber beads were about to hang him in the moment of his triumph when preparing to enjoy the fruits of his crime nemesis had struck him down the news of the arrest The story of the Amber Beads was in all the papers next day, and next day also Miss Lyle came to see Hagar. Pale and stern, she swept into the shop, and looked at Hagar with a bitter smile. "'Girl,' she said harshly, "'you have been our evil genius.' "'I have been the means of denouncing your accomplice, you mean,' returned Hagar composedly. "'My accomplice? No, my son.' "'Your son?' Hagar recoiled with a startled expression. "'Your son, Miss Lyle?' "'Not Miss, but Mrs. Lyle,' returned the gaunt, pale woman. "'And Frederick Jevons is my son by my first husband. You think he is guilty. You are wrong, for he is innocent. You believe that you will hang him, but I tell you, girl, he will go free. Read this paper.' she said thrusting an envelope into the hand of hagar and you will see how you have been mistaken i shall never see you again in this life but i leave my curse on you before hagar could collect her wits miss or rather mrs lyle as she called herself went hurriedly out of the shop her manner was so wild her words so ominous of evil that hagar had it on her mind to follow her and if possible prevent the consequences of her despair she hurried to the door but mrs lyle had disappeared and as there was no one to mind the shop hagar could not go after her luckily at this moment horval turned the corner and at once the girl beckoned to him miss lyle did you see her yes said horval with a nod
1: she's on her way across westminster bridge
0: oh follow her follow her quickly cried Hagar wildly. She is not herself. She is bent on some rash deed. Horval paused a moment in bewilderment. Then, grasping the situation, he turned without a word and raced down the street in the trail of Miss Lyle. Hagar watched his hurrying figure until it turned the corner. Then she retreated to the back parlour and hurriedly opened the envelope. On the sheet of paper she found within the following confession was written. "'I am not a spinster, but a widow,' began the document, abruptly. "'A twice-married woman. By my first husband I had Frederick Jevons, who passes as my nephew, and whom I love better than my own soul. When my second husband, Mr. Lyle, died, I cast about for some means of employment, as I was poor. Mrs. Erriford advertised for an unmarried woman as a companion. She absolutely refused to have any companion but a spinster.' to get the situation which was a good one as mrs Ereford was rich i called myself miss lyle and obtained the place mrs Ereford had no relatives and much money so i schemed to obtain her wealth for my son whom i introduced as my nephew rosa the black maid had a great deal of influence over her weak-minded mistress and in some way i don't know how she fathomed my purpose It was a battle between us, as Rosa was determined that I should not get the money of Mrs. Arriford for my son. Finally, I triumphed, and Frederick was left sole heir of all the old lady's wealth. Then Rosa learnt by eavesdropping the true relationship between myself and Frederick. She told her mistress, and with Mrs. Arriford I had a stormy scene, in which she declared her intention of revoking her will and turning me and my son out on the world as paupers. I begged. "'I implored. I threatened. But Mrs. Erford, backed up by that wicked Rosa, was firm. "'I sent for my son to try and soften the old lady, but he was not in town, "'and did not come to see me till late at night. "'When he arrived I told him that I had killed Mrs. Erford. "'I did so to prevent her altering her will, and out of love for my dear son, "'lest he should lose the money. "'Frederick was horrified and rushed from the house.' I believe Rosa saw me let him out by the side door. I was determined to throw the blame on Rosa, as I hated her so. Knowing that she coveted the necklace of amber beads, I stole it from the neck of the dead woman and gave it to my son next day. I suggested he should dress up as Rosa and pawn the necklace so that she might be suspected. To save me he did so. I obtained a dress that Rosa was fond of wearing, yellow silk trimmed with black beads, also the jewellery of the creature. Frederick blackened his face and pawned the beads in a pawn-shop at Lambeth. I sent Rosa on a pretended errand to Waterloo Station at the time Frederick was pawning the beads, so as to get evidence against her that she was in the neighborhood. Then I suggested to Horvald, the detective, that the beads might have been pawned. He found the shop, and I thought my plot had succeeded, that Rosa would be condemned and hanged. Unfortunately, the woman who kept the pawn-shop was clever, and traced Frederick by means of his mutilated right hand. I hate her. Frederick is now in prison on a charge of murder which he did not commit. I am guilty. I killed Mrs. Arriford. Frederick knows nothing. He helped me to save myself by trying to throw the blame on Rosa. All useless. I am guilty, and I am determined that he shall not suffer for my sin. Officers of the law, I command you to release my son and arrest me. I am the murderess of Mrs. Arriford. I swear it. Julia Lyle. WITNESSES. AMELIA TYKE. HOUSEMAID. MARK DREW. BUTLER. Hagar let the document fall from her hands with a sensation of pity for the wretched woman. How she must love her son, thought the girl, to have murdered a kind and good woman for his sake. It is terrible. Well, I suppose he will now be released, and will enter into the possession of the wealth his mother schemed to obtain for him but he must do justice for Rosa for all the trouble he has caused her. He must give her an annuity, and also the necklace of amber beads, which has been the cause of tracing the crime home to its door. As for Mrs. Lyle—' At this moment, white and breathless, Horval rushed into the parlour. Hagar sprang to her feet and looked anxiously at him, expectant of bad news. She was right.
1: "'My girl!'
0: cried Horval hoarsely. Miss Lyle is dead!' "'Dead, ah!' said Hagar to herself.
1: "'I thought as much.' She threw herself over Westminster Bridge and has just been picked out of the water. "'Dead!'
0: "'Dead!' said Hagar again. "'Dead!'
1: "'As a doornail,'
0: replied the detective in a perplexed tone.
1: "'But why, why did she commit suicide?'
0: Hagar sighed, and in silence handed to the detective the confession of the dead woman. End of The Second Customer and the Amber Beads by Fergus Hume Recording by D.A. Frank, Tallahassee, Florida